Out Minute, the podcast where we go through Ryan Johnson's Knives Out Minute, minute by minute. Uh, shocking. No one by this point, hopefully, although you may have just started here on Minute 19 for some reason. Uh, I am your host, Adil Kurji, and I am again this week by Luke Allen. Hello. Pleasure to be back again. Uh, so this is an interesting minute because uh, it's one of those lovely mid-sentence cuts um so we ended last week with you want to talk about an argument hell and we start with ransom ransom had an argument with him and walt this is in the parlor lounge is uh finished his flashback and he says ransom had an argument with him i don't he basically says i don't want to talk out of school you know air family la- dirty laundry but ransom's the black sheep of the family dad the this line really jumped out at me dad for some reason uh for un- some unknown reason always supported him um says the man who runs his dad's publishing house for him they had a it seems like they had a love-hate relationship that was very performative uh and so when he, he says it's strange. They went into another room to do it. Usually they like to uh, stoke up drama in front of the whole family. Uh, and we, and we, he says this as we've cut away to a flashback uh, where we're, he's talking over it and we just see Ransom leaving that room. And then, and then it cuts back to the interview room, but this time with, we're with Richard. Benoit says, uh, confronts him and says, uh, so I, I understand you got you were there early to help with the caterers um it's weird the caterer says they didn't um see you helping their workers did you converse with harlan at the time because there there was an argument uh yeah did you converse with harlan at the time well he was there is the where we cut yeah it's it's a very kind of jam-packed minute in terms of the because i've just i just got the kind of the the visuals playing on repeat throughout the entire thing and the number of different actual yeah. shots we have compared to last minute is it's it's an eventful minute yeah i mean so i i sort of went over the narrative blocks but obviously one of the i think you're right we've got both interesting shots and and just a large set of them i uh one thing i did so i, I pointed out the line the dad for some unknown reason always supported him uh and visually the shot is is a shot of the three kids framed in the foreground that's, and they're in the parlor. Uh, and so everyone is blown out of focus that like the, the two cops, well, the cop, the cop Benoit and uh, Walt are blown out of focus. So we're seeing a different angle than we normally do, but in focus is a shot of the three kids. As he says, dad, for some unknown reason, always supported him, which I think is great because we get a sense that this family is reliant on Harlan. We know that Walt is like just from the bits we've seen that the flashbacks this far, it's such a good piece of visual storytelling of like, these guys aren't aware of, or that they begrudge what they're all like, they're also um, guilty of. Yeah. We also get like, uh, this, this notion that the, this young 
grandson is tumultuous relationship with his grandfather uh and we know that like there's no fake job for him right he just gets money and that's what's begrudged yeah that makes sense <laughs> so speaking of shots uh sort of about halfway through like 33 seconds um we have a shot of everyone except walt sitting in the living room hearing the yelling and like all perking up and then there's this quick camera uh pan that that really feels like someone turning their head as the right before the door opens in the argument and you get a sense that we're at walt's point of view because that's what the narrative is doing and it's like oh i'm looking over here but then it pans forward as the camera to focus on ransom Hmm. and then it tracks along and shows the harlan's mom as ransom leaves the the house and we get Rand's, uh, the the grandmother's just got the cake in front of her and she sort of seems out of it and I found that really interesting because it it's like in the flashback we're in his point of view we're in his point of view we're not in his point of view but it's a continuous sort of track yeah just sorry just with all that I it's such an interesting choice as to when we have the, the cutaway around 20 seconds to the family photo because it's just it's it, it's always just so interesting when they just kind of throw in a new angle of the scene and of the room that you haven't really seen before. Mm. And as far as I'm aware, obviously, like we've only I've only seen these minutes, but we haven't seen it from this perspective. I know uh, we definitely haven't. Yeah, uh, I know I've kind of gone back from where you were, but that 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 no worries. Uh, upon the looping that I've got of the of the sequence that stands out to me every time yeah I mean that's why I wanted to bring it up because I I, I mean I don't know film language as much as well as you but like it's so telling there narr- like narratively the information it imparts and the irony it imparts just by this very like this camera placement is it's it's so rich to me um but yeah you're right also like just visually it, it you're seeing a lot more of the room and like that it's like this sort of two floor library study thing versus this sort of more bright. We usually see it. I think earlier we see it mostly from people walking into the room and seeing the cops sitting there and um, you know, yeah, it's just, it felt, it felt more like, as you said, last episode, more like an interview room, like a couple tables, like all the focus up till now has been like, there's the seating, and there was some where Benoit was sitting, sat earlier, um, and that's about it. Like we're, you just see it as this room people have happen to be using, and then with this shot, not only are we like um, getting this irony of talking about why would he support someone while showing his kids who ostent like are being functionally supported, as far as we know, via Harlan's good graces. Um, but also we're seeing it's a really, like, it's not a boring old, like, it, 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 there's these knickknacks, there's all these things, there's so many things that we can't see that are blown out that look like they might be, like, mirrors or photos or whatever. Like, it's like, oh, this is a very interesting room that we haven't realized is as interesting. Yeah, I think so, because it, it, it just, it brings another layer to how beautifully dressed the entire set is. Like, it's, it, it reminds me... Uh, seeing the angle of the same jarringness you get if you're if you ever watching a sitcom and they suddenly cut to like a different angle and it's like you've watched like weirdly the only one i can think of is i think big bang theory at one point did it 
um, when they were like record some of the characters. I'm not a big fan of Big Bang Theory, but I remember there was one scene I think where like it might have been like recording some sort of video on like a phone or a computer or something, and you see them mm. turn around and you just get a shot of a part of the set that you haven't seen before, and suddenly it suddenly feels instantly way more immersive than before. But it's only effective in- if you've if you've only had certain shots repeatedly before then. Yeah, it's definitely like a, a you you build up to the ability to use this yeah. because it's like a, the switch is the language, right? You can't switch mm. and have it effective if 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 you there's nothing you're yeah. switching from. Yeah, but it's, um, it's, beautif- very, it's yeah. beautifully dressed. It's kind of a you know a four walled set <laughs> as far as we're aware. Yeah, which is always nice and refreshing. It's also a different slight. You're seeing more because of the like the shot of out of them in the living room and then even in the in the party scene we're seeing a little more stuff mm. just because like like the pan to the door but and again i like i really like the separation that that shot shows of the 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 um grandmother having her cake but being like sitting by the door which is clearly a ways as we see from the main room yeah so like the shot starts with Walt being separate from them, right? He's off to the side. Uh, everyone else is in the room. We see him looking at them, or we assume it, that's where his perspective, right? And then we see um, Ransom leave another room and cut through the space between the door and where Walt is. Yeah. Um, and the grandmother is on the door side. So it's like she's two full, like two steps sort of areas removed from her the family like she's clearly just put in a corner yeah and you get all all that like from the spatial camera movements yeah it it's it, it it's a kind of underrated part of filmmaking that's really important in terms of uh, of of, ex- of expressing the geography of a location which i think is is often not given as much attention as it should and this film very clearly does that. Like, you know where, as far as I remember, you kind of get the gist of where all the rooms are in this big house and how they move from one point to the next, which I think it's, it's so easy for a filmmaker to forget. Is Especially when you're watching the film, you're editing the film, whatever, and you know these things already. Um, it's it's So I'm, I'm kind of glad that, that such an immersive space has been made clear with this film that we can tell where every room is in relation to the other room and these kind of sweeping shots through corridors and between rooms is really what kind of helps further that yeah i think that's exactly right um yeah so so i, I again that's sort of a lot of shots um a lot of like mood information portrayed in this minute despite the fact that it's sort of on the face of it is just mm. yeah i overheard an argument yeah it's like and i think that it's the it's the, this is very exemplary of what i really lo- enjoy about this this film is that it's very much packed with these um clearly planned well thought out nuanced moments such that like a flat explanation of the plot misses what is great about it right it's the mood it's the acting it's the sense of presence of both the locations and the people that really like hold hold it all together 
Mm. Yeah, definitely. It, it what what I find interesting, kind of just overall about this this film, is when it came out, everyone was raving about it, and then I feel like it kind of just vanished. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it's, so. The other yeah. yesterday we spoke about how I hadn't seen it until uh, a couple days before recording, mm-hmm. and that's because it had all this hype, and I was like, oh, I need to put that. It's on my list. It's near the top, and then a little time passed, and it just I lost track of it, and then it stopped being talked about at all. So it was very easy to forget why I put it on the list. It's it's strange because it's just it, it. I remember everyone going on about it when it first came out, and I'm not. I'm not. For a film person, I'm not a regular cinema goer at all. Mostly because I think tickets are really overpriced. I'll only kind of go and see a film that I've been kind of really wanting to go and see. Other than that, because I'm physical media, I'll just buy the DVD when it comes out. Um, right. So when this was out in the cinema, people were talking about it. But I wasn't interested enough to go and spend money in the cinema. And then kind of no one talked about it after that point. And so, yeah, it was kind of possibly this show that kind of reminded me that it existed again around the point where I bought the DVD back in July and saw it and enjoyed it. But yeah, it's interesting because I think it's, I think it is partially forgettable in a way. I remember enjoying it, but I don't remember so many parts of it, which is an issue I know people have had with my favorite film about time. The number of people we've had on who don't think they've seen the film or or I've talked about it, don't think they've seen the film, and then we mention it, it's, oh, it's that one, yeah. And, like, people remember enjoying it, but they don't remember the film or the events within the film, and I think I think it's one of those. Yeah, which I think is a good way of putting it, because it's not that it's... That doesn't mean it's a bad film. It's it actually like, means it's enjoyable every time you watch it. That's a very good way, yeah, way of thinking of it, yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's also a good segue into... Um, our segment for this episode, which is Benoit Blanc, uh, which is sequel ideas and titles. And I think what you're hitting on is kind of what I wanted to, what I thought was good is is that it, I like the idea of doing something like Columbo or like a, a detective procedural with the breathing room and limitations of a theatrical film. Yeah. That it's right, it, like it needs to be a little bigger and broader, but that gives all of the characters a lot more space to be three dimensional and have depth. Mm. And I think that's kind of why it's a little forgettable. I think that's what, when you mentioned that, I realized it was like, oh yeah, it's like, do you remember the that episode of Columbo that that guy was in? I'm like, oh yeah, that guy was in an episode of Columbo. I don't know what happened in that episode, but I'll watch it again. I enjoyed it. And I feel like this is yeah, somewhat similar to the fact that, like, in a week, I will, uh, you know, in a couple months, I might not remember all the details of certain character arcs, etc. Uh, but it's so it's so well done and well acted, and it is so enjoyable that I could easily see myself watching this again. Yeah, um, I think it's good that you can remember enjoying it. I think that's that's important, <laughs> rather than it being instantly kind of forgettable. You remember that you have seen it, and you remember that you enjoyed watching it. Yeah, and I think so, so. For me, like I, I would love to see more films like this, and in general, and I think it's fine to to keep Benoit Blanc uh, in in uh, in as like I I wouldn't mind seeing more of him. Like like we talked about on Monday's episode, uh, minute seven, no, minute sixteen. 
Um, he, he was a bit cartoony. He, we like. I feel like he's one of the characters that, by the guy who's sort of discovering things, we didn't discover much about him because he's sort of a bit audience surrogate, but also like removed from the situation basically because he's the private investigator. Yeah. And so I would love to see more movies like this where he's doing the same thing but like over a couple of sequels we we learn more about him mm. like a like a meta arc to a, making making it reasonable to be a series versus like actually we're just doing a detective show with movies yeah that makes sense and yeah i think the the dangerous move you have with doing a sequel to this is the same as your kind of detective show stuff which i guess is just a thing you acknowledge within the universe but it it's the sudden thing of hang on why would there be so many crimes taking place in the same place with the yeah. same people it's the it's the death in paradise problem really i think yeah so i think well what was this movie did a, a smart thing which we saw in the previous minutes earlier in the film right is they talked about the new yorker article that he's a detective that did some other case yeah uh that that got him profiled and that's that's his shtick and so it's like we could either see like a prequel, which because his age is probably fine, yeah. uh, of the big case, or another follow-up. But again, I think the key here would be um, it, it can't be a new James Bond, right? Otherwise, you will have the Death in Paradise thing because it still becomes really, one of the questions you ask is like, especially because this is set in roughly the modern day. Yeah. Like how many, how many police departments are actually okay with a PI sitting in on things? How how many places can he wander, etc. Yeah. But if it's like two or three films that with with some sort of reason why we care about his particular adventures, ideally, like something to tie them together, but like it doesn't even have to be much, but just sort of getting some more depth of him over time while having these fun adventures. And again, not overstaying your welcome, I think is really important. Yeah, and I think so, that's what that's the important. Death in Paradise problem yeah. is. So there, yeah. there, there is a sequel in the works for this, I think. Uh, for Knives Out, I read somewhere. I might be wrong. I read ages ago, but I think they should leave it be. <laughs> I think it's a film which people loved. I think it's a risk. I think sequels can be good, as I think I mentioned earlier. Paddington Two is one of the greatest movies of all time, but Paddington Two is the exception of the rule. <laughs> I mean, there are other. There are. There are. Yeah, I think there are it's other also... good sequels, but it's rare. And I think yeah, I think the key the key with the, this and Paddington is they weren't planned as a series; mm. they just were successful enough to warrant. Have you seen you've um, seen the second Paddington film? I have. Do you, it's very yeah, good. It's it's <laughs> it, uh, it is Hugh Grant's favorite film he's ever been in, um, apparently. Oh, I didn't know that. And his favorite outfit he's ever worn is the nun's outfit in Paddington Two, which is yeah, that's pretty interesting. Great. But yeah, I, anyway, I I so sequels can work, but I think I think. It's been said for years. Hollywood just needs to know when to let a good thing leave. They they could do what well, I'd be more interested in. They they should do the fish called Wonder thing of taking the cast of people and going. Let's make a similar film, but in a separate place with them playing separate characters. But it's the same cast and crew just telling another story. I mean, that would be amazing. I think that you've, that would be really really cool. Um, you just don't see that enough anymore. I can only think of it with Fish Called Wonder and Fierce Creatures. I don't know of anyone else that did that. Yeah, I can't think of much either. I I mean, I guess technically the Cornetto trilogy. Yes, yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I I, I and I you know you think you're right. 
often why we get these is because they made money and somehow sequels are a sure thing. And I think what Paddington did really well was a, a really good awareness of what worked and why yes. it worked. And I think often you get, because it's a sequel for money, it's it's very much a studio, well, do the same thing again. And the same thing isn't awfully un, often understood because it's not the bare elements. It's, you know, it's mm. the... It's it's the vibe, it's the feel, whatever you want to call it. It's not that, like, well, Paddington went through these types of adventures or, you know, whatever. There was a, a villain and yada yada. It's like, okay, so what did people like about it? How did that work in this film? How would it work? How could we translate it? Like, it's these more dynamic questions, I guess, that need to be approached. And so I have faith in Ryan Johnson yeah, with definitely. this. That, that that there'll be something similar. I also think that because we have so much of cliche and history with detective and murder mysteries, that there's a lot to draw upon for a single sequel. Yeah, well, this, 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 this film is self-aware enough about the genre that I'd trust he'd be self-aware enough about the sequel. I don't want it to become the recurring... Like, 22 Jump Street, good movie, but I don't, I don't think a movie like this should rely on jokes about oh isn't it lazy we're doing a sequel yes no that would be but i i i think that as i said 22 jump street there's a place for it and it works but i i would just like to see this this cast maybe tackle a slightly different genre i don't know what but just tell a different story but we know that this is a group of people that work yes so let's do something else with i that. really like the idea of uh, of treating the cast as a troop yeah that's a really cool idea I hadn't thought of because again we rarely see it. Um, that would be really neat. Well, I'm, 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 the reason it's the reason it's on my mind is because instantly this thing I'm I'm writing at the moment we're jokingly thinking, oh, what will we do in a sequel? And I was like, what I'd like to do as a sequel is have different is have the same people play different yeah. roles because instantly I'm like, oh, these people will be so fun to work with. I hope I get to work with them again, which is weird because I haven't even started working mm. with them yet. But. I'm instantly thinking, oh, could I use them in this? Could I do... So I think I just... I'd like to see that done more often because Cornetto Trilogy worked. I don't know how well Fierce Creatures was. It's, it wasn't as successful as no, Fishboard Wonder, admittedly. But I remember enjoying both of them and I just wish there was more there. I don't know whether there's some sort of weird contractual thing about maybe it. it's like there's some sort of thing that it's not... If it's not counted as a sequel, there's less... I don't know. I'm sure there's reasons why it hasn't been done in the mainstream very often mm. but if the if, if everyone is if everyone in this film enjoyed themselves as much as it looks like they were then i think they should be willing to come back and tell a different story agreed yeah and i would i would be down for it for that um excellent i, I really like that take i'm now super now my I'm, I'm distracting myself with racking my brain for other like films i really like that i'd want to see the same cast do yes. things you've, you've put me on this weird like internal game show <laughs> I think it, it it's too late, but I think Four Weddings would have been a good one yeah. to have done something like that. Yeah, I guess um, it, it, I, I'm instantly looking at I'm instantly thinking Richard Curtis movies because I've got a shelf of all of Richard's filmography right in my eyeline, and so that's that's all I'm seeing. Uh, but of all of them, the the anything with kind of an ensemble yeah. cast where you could easily swap around the leads. Yeah, as you say, on, on ensemble you know. cast where it's sort of mostly leaning on on their acting chops and their dynamics right yeah um yeah excellent um well i think that's a great uh thing to end on to be honest um mm. so uh 
Luke, if people wanted to get a hold of you or track the, your goings-on on the internet and in the real world, how would they do that? Uh, they could find me on Twitter at Llama underscore Bottle Zero over on Instagram at the Ginger Luke, on Facebook at Luke Allen Film. All podcasts, radio appearances, newspaper articles, short films, anything I'm involved in is probably at Luke Allen UK, which reminds me I do need to update that because it's not currently got everything I'm involved in on there. Uh, but... Mm-hmm. Um, they can email me, Luke at LukeAllen.co.uk, and they can find my shows Please Be Seated, Two Minutes About Time, and Christmas Actually on all good podcast platforms. And you can read the, reach the show, as always, at Knives Out Minute. Uh, this has been us for another day, another episode, and we'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.